Come on, side, side, side. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another podcast. This is Come On, Son, the podcast. I'm Ed Lover, and, and of course, you know, as always, we like to, uh, when we do Come On, Son, the podcast, we like to bring you things that you don't expect a lot of times. And um, this brother that I'm about to introduce to y'all, I've known him for quite some time now, and it's always like in an odd place that we run into each other. Like, <laughs> you know, the last time we ran into each other was actually at the Trumpet Awards here in, mm-hmm. in Atlanta, Georgia, and then yep. I'm in, I was in Kroger like the other day, buying a corned beef, because <laughs> I was going to make some corned beef and cabbage, my mother's recipe, of course, and I'm walking down the aisle, and I see him, and it's weird, because in the hip-hop business, I'm considered tall, and there's not a lot of people in hip-hop that are taller than me. It has, like, Montel Jordan, probably, in the music business, it hasn't been a lot of people, so I see this dude walk by, and I go, that's got to be my man right there, and of course, he saw me, yelled out to me, we connected. Ladies and gentlemen, Kia Sean is in the building. What's All up, right. sir? What's going on? Ken Folk, what up with you, boy? I'm what? good, brother. How you OG, doing? what's going on, man? I'm, I'm good. doing quite well, man. How Indeed, are you? Man, blessed by the best. Blessed by the best. Absolutely, man. man. That's crazy because we do run into each other the most random places. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, and it was just crazy to be, I didn't even realize that we stay in the same hood. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So yes. that was like that was like a, a refreshing thing to me, you yeah. know what I'm saying? To see somebody that, I, that, that I've always admired and a mentor of mine. To be right there in the aisle, you know what I mean. You getting corned beef, and I was going to make me a dope salmon for my wife. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, when she get out of a yoga class, I'm having salmon set up or whatever, and I right. just left working out, and I'm like, man, I run right into you. So I, yeah, it's absolutely. Dope. But you and, know, it's, it's no coincidence, no accidents. You know what I'm saying? It's all mm-hmm. whatever happens is meant to be like that. When you run into each other like that, something's meant to take place. You know right. what I'm saying? Now, when he says we live in the same hood, let let us. Uh, Define that as neighborhood. Yes. We don't live in a hood. Okay? I'm nah, so, nah. I work too damn hard to still be living in somebody's hood. Yeah, it did. We mean neighbor. Neighborhood. Neighborhood. Yes, the same neighborhood. A very nice neighborhood. Very nice area. Beautiful man. area. Great area. Kids are cool. Really, really good place. Yeah. Man. I love it. You know yeah, me man? too. I, I, love I, I really I love it. it. So we're in, we in the supermarket. It's kicking and then. We just uh, said what's up to each other, chatted up a little bit, and then I walked away, and then all of a sudden it dawned on me, damn, I need my man on my podcast. Perfect. So I asked him, could he do the podcast, and here he is right now. You from Memphis, bro. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me about life in Memphis and what hip-hop was in Memphis to you. All right, so hip-hop in Memphis, like, I'm going to break this down for you, right, because, like, Okay, Memphis is such a special place when it comes to music because a lot of time when people hear Memphis, then they think about the first 48, they think about barbecue, they think about Elvis, they think about some of the newer nuances that have come out of Memphis with Yo Gotti, Young Dolphs, you know, the Three Six Mafias, those things. But like when you really backtrack Memphis music, just like on my shirt, Isaac Hayes. Absolutely. We, we got to go back to Stax Records. Got to go to Stax Records. Got to go to Stax Records and you got to look at these were the first, this is like one of the first major independent company that was pumping out hit records, you know what I mean? And then when you talk about blues, and you, and you, I remember the movie Cadillac Records and Muddy Waters and, mm-hmm. and those individuals, okay, so Memphis is like, if you step across the bridge, I mean, it's like 10 minutes across the bridge going going west, you're in Arkansas. 10 minutes the other way, you're in Mississippi, you know what I'm saying? It's just mm-hmm. like, it, it's right on the border. So it's fertile ground for music, period, in this area. So you get some of the best live players, live musicians, some of the best music is just in this area, to me, whole genres of music have started right in this 
little, little spot. So it's like hip-hop, when hip-hop like started to like invade the airwaves, Memphis, because of where it's at geographically, if you look at the U.S. map, it's like in the center. That's why FedEx, uh, UPS, uh, Nike all have distribution outlets there because of the fact of it's easier to, to distribute through the rest of the U.S. right there. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of music distribution companies that are there. Selecto Hits, which is a, which is a, which a huge distributor uh, when, when CDs were in. Yeah, absolutely. There, right in Memphis. So it's like a lot of the music, we got it all. We got everything right there. And Memphis is a marketplace to where if something breaks in Memphis and works in Memphis, it's a great test market to see what it's going to do in the rest of the country. And mm-hmm. um, even Billboard Magazine, the station that I do my radio show at, Hot 1071 in Memphis, KSXT, um, it's number two as far as breaking new music in the U.S. because it's just our format. We, we we grab hold of new records, we play them 30, 40 times a week, you know what I mean, and we start to build stories right from there. So we got everything, and hip-hop, I just I, I got all of it as, as it came through, and it just was, it, it, hip-hop was just, it was just dope. But Memphis, we kind of took it and, and made our own, like, sound with it, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. Memphis is also a very dark place, you know what I mean, is also the place where Martin Luther King was slain, you know what I mean, we just ran across the anniversary of that uh, a few days ago, you know what I mean, this past Friday, so it's like, there's a lot of hate in the city because of the, you know, because it was a, you know, black, white city, this is, this is, it was that, so I think, even in that, in the music, or in the people sometimes there, that same small town, like, that hate first mentality kind of still lives, lives in it, because it's so, it's so competitive, like you gotta look at things like okay, Three Six Mafia and A Ball MJG, they are pioneers of some pioneers of Southern hip hop, and it took them like probably they both got their deals in like '96. So in 2005, 2006, they had Stay Fly Out. It took them ten years after having their deals for them to do a song together. You see what I'm saying? So then that wow. was that was Stay Fly. So you look at look at it from that perspective. Even like right now with Young Dolph beefing with Yo Gotti, and you know it's like Black Youngster and these guys are beefing, and you know this guy doesn't mess with mess with this guy. Memphis has K. Michelle, Juicy J, Young Dolph, Black Youngster, um, Drama Boy, Drama Boy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, a Ball, MJG, myself. Um, there's a lot of talent that is just uh, Juicy J, uh, Justin Timberlake. These people are all from Memphis, Tennessee. You know what I mean? So when you look at what we have as a whole and how relative we are, K. Michelle, in, in, in right now. You know Gangsta I mean? Boo? Gangsta Boo. You know what I mean? Crunchy like, Black. Love yeah, Crunchy yeah, Black, yeah, man. Yeah, Love yeah, Crunchy you know, Black. You know what I'm saying? Like, these, it's so much talent that's come out of Memphis, but the, the, the lack thereof of the talent working together has been the issue. You know what I mean? And, and that's why the city doesn't get the shine that it does. Like, Atlanta. Atlanta, I, the reason why I moved here is because of the fact that, like, there, the, the mentality is work with each other first. Keep the checks coming. Everybody, we got We know it's gonna be a new artist coming every quarter. It's gonna be something new coming. We are gonna get behind it. Yeah, we still got love for the OGs, but we are gonna keep pushing, pushing the, the, the new people through. If, if if they mumble rap, whatever it is, we're gonna keep it, keep it popping and keep the checks coming. Right. And Memphis is more like. Well, if I'm on and I'm the king, then I don't want you to be on, and that is sounds just, a little bit like New York City to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, so is that is that mentality or whatever, man? And it kind of hurts the city more than it helps the city, though. You know Who what I'm are the the real real before Three Six Mafia, before Eight Ball and MJG? Who was making noise in Memphis? Tell me some of the people that we may have never heard of that didn't blow man, I'm up. Glad you asked that question. Um, Gangsta Pat. 
is this dude named Gangsta Pat. He had a song called I'm the Gangsta. He was the first person signed to Atlantic Records from Memphis, Tennessee. I think it was Atlantic Profile at the time, or Profile of Records. Mm-hmm. And um, he went gold with this song called I'm the Gangsta. It was incredible. Another guy by the name of Al Capone. It's funny because Al Capone um, was, you familiar with the Hustle and Flow movie? Of course. The song, Whoop That Trick, mm-hmm. whoop, that he was rapping, uh-huh. that was written by this guy named Al Capone. He, this dude, he was signed with E-40 back in the day. Um, it was, was Memphis had this gangster walk movement that was going on, and he was like one of the pioneers of that. So Al Capone, Gangsta Pat, these guys were like definitely like some of the pioneers of, of Memphis hip-hop mm-hmm. that people really don't, really know about, you know what I mean? But they definitely put it down. Yeah, like real triple OGs of, yeah, of yeah, that they, sound they of, of, of hip-hop coming yes. out of Memphis. Yes, yes, DJ no. DJ Squeaky. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? This dude here was, was, he was a DJ, but he made beats, and he, he was like one of the, Jeezy actually put him on, uh, uh, got about a beat from him for like two albums ago, uh, on, on the, no, on the uh, on the the recession album, I think it was. Uh huh. He put he bought a beat from Squeaky on that joint or whatever because he was doing his Memphis history, I guess. But like this DJ Squeaky kind of coined the sound that dark Memphis sound with the heavy bottoms mm-hmm. and, and then the the the, um, the, the hi hats doubling up. You know what I mean? That's right. That's DJ Squeaky. You know. What yeah. I mean? Big yeah. shout out to my man, the mouth for the South too, Pepper. Oh, Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, Artemis Williams? <laughs> uh, my boy Pepper, man. Yeah, yeah that's Pe- my guy that, that right Pepper, there. Hey, 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 man. Yeah. Listen, man. <laughs> That's how Pep Pep just loud and brash loud. and loud. so Memphis is retarded. Yeah, he um he still does his thing. Um he uh he does a um a promotion with Yo and Yo Gotti's uh has a spot called Privé in Memphis. Yes. And he does it every Friday night. Uh Pepper has a huge following when it comes out there. Yeah, him. bring so a Pepper, lot of artists through and a lot of yeah. concerts oh, yeah, and stuff getting, like that. Pepper's definitely still relative, still getting money. Yeah. You know, absolutely, money absolutely. So who were your influences? Who influenced oh. Kia Shine? I think for me it was like, okay. When I, when I came up in Memphis, it was a mall called Mall of Memphis. It was a clothing store I used to manage, right, called His Place. And I used to um, I used to sell clothes. And, I, you know, and it was popping. It was like now like like now you got a lot of those urban stores or whatever that sold, like, you know, the urban stuff or whatever that everybody liked. But, like, back in the day, it was only one or two spots in Memphis. And I had one of the, one, the, one of the spots that was popping. So everybody used to come through this spot. Ball and JG, when they first got signed, Ernest Dra- Draper and Tony Draper, who signed with Own Swap House. Yeah, shout out to yeah, them. They um would bring Ball them through, you know what I'm saying? And I would like I would like see them like okay, I knew Ball when they you know they had a couple of local hits and then I seen them get signed and then I saw like them like blow up off that coming out hard. Like I'm like a young boy, but I'm like seeing and then I'm with you know, they would bring me to the studio. They would How old me, are you then? I mean, I'm like seventeen, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So I'm like I'm seeing these dudes blow up, you know what I mean? Right right in front of me. So I think like to me, it was like those dudes definitely were the, were the influence for me. You know what I mean? Ball and JG for certain. Um, and then um, I think from 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 that, Eric Gales is a, is, a, is a guy named Eric Gales. He plays a backward strat guitar. He was signed when he was 16 years old to Sylvia Ron in, in Electra Records. And he was on Arsenio Hall back in the day when Arsenio had to when he was on fire. Mm-hmm. He was playing with the band. He was my my high school best friend. He was 16, and this dude was on Arsenio Hall show, you know what I'm saying? I, I think, like, God put people in my life. It was just, like, people that, like, you know, it's one thing to want to make it in music, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, you go, I'm coming home, I'm watching you guys on TV, and I'm like, man, I want to get into the rap thing. But when God puts certain people in your life that's right there that you see actually are being successful right in front of you, you, you this is like, man, okay, so your belief, 
your faith is kind of increased. You like it ain't just as far fetched as somebody may think who doesn't have anybody who's in their life that actually is doing the things that you want to do and on a professional level, you know what I mean? Being mm-hmm. signed at 16. So Eric Gales, A-Ball MJG, and there's another guy named MVP. Talk about Pioneer Sounds of Memphis. He got a deal. He was signed with Tommy Boy in uh, 1994, but the album never came out. But he had a crazy wave, and the sound was incredible, but it just never came out. But these are my homies, and I, I would see them go get major deals, and I saw Tony Draper do, do it independently. You know yes. what I mean? So seeing and then going through selecto hits and putting out records and selling them. So those things, I just got the blueprint from them. So when it was my turn to like to like put out music, you know what I mean? It was like, okay, I know how to at least go to Selecto Hits, give me a distribution deal, you know what I mean, and be able to put out some music. But back then in the CD world, you had to build a fan base, a real right. fan base. Well, you, you still to, got to build a fan base. But, but you know, like, so they like say. your fan base now is like you you could be able to touch. Well, we can touch people right now live. We can we can come on some live. We can do this and people can see it. Right. But back when I was coming up with music, you couldn't do that. You had to really go to all the record stores really go to to the people and really get people to get on your music so much so that they would love it, that they would want to get in their car, drive down the street, and be able to go buy it. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I guess those things inspire me in Memphis. You know what I'm saying? Those when guys. did you first start putting out music? Before we get to when you first start putting out music, I want to say something, um, and I want everybody to hear this. This guy has one of the greatest hip-hop names that I've ever heard. <laughs> and the funny thing about it is it's actually your name. Yeah, yeah. Nakia yeah. Shine. Yep, yep, Nakia Shine. Um, my grandma used to call me Kia, you know what I mean? And every time I used to see her, she'd be, Kia, I'm going to tell you, it's God. She would never leave none. Jesus could do anything. Kia, Kia, you know what I mean? So it just it just stuck with me or whatever. And then when I used to tell dudes in the hood, my name Nakia, they used to say, Kia, Kia, what up, Kia, Kia, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, and the kinfolk just kind of came from everybody in Memphis. Just When I came to New York, I started coming to New York in 2001, my first trip. And I would be like, what up, kinfolk? I got these beats I'm trying to sell. Uh-huh. And, and everybody, instead of calling me Kia Shine, they would just call me kinfolk. Right. You know what I'm saying? So they'd be like, because you know, they go kinfolk right there. And so it, it kind of stuck, you know what I'm saying? But right. kinfolk is like Warty or like Son right. in, in Memphis. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Everybody say kinfolk, you know what I'm saying? So, you know. And that's that's where it came. That's from. where Kinfolk Kia Shine yeah. came from. Wow! Yep. And yep. Shine is actually your middle name. Yeah, yeah, that's my middle name. Yep. What, what did your What did, did you ask, ask your mother why she named you Shine? Well, I asked my mom why she named me Nakia. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man! Like, like I'm a male. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and I be talking to Bill. Sometimes when I talk to my pay my bills or whatever, and they be like, "All right, let me give you my information." You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, this is Nakia. Um, is she on the phone? <laughs> I'd be like, man, listen, man. Listen, y'all want this money or not, man? I ain't gonna pay y'all like uh, call me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you've been going through this your whole life, my whole life, man. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then you know, uh, but uh, definitely Kia shine. But understand this, people. Kia don't drive a Kia. All right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? Indeed. But even LeBron messed with Kia though. Yeah, you know ain't, and that ain't a bad and check for LeBron, bad right? Check even LeBron, LeBron makes hey, us with Kia. Matter of fact, Kia, y'all need to holler at me. Y'all need to sponsor something. Yeah. Man. Like, Kia need to be trying to get get down with Kia. Kia need to get down with Kia. Get down with Kia. Seriously, man. Really. For sure. That's so when did when did you start making music? Um, two thousand. Well, I, I put out. Well, I guess that's a good question. I started making music when I was dissing my little cousins, and I and I had a little recorder, and I made I, I recorded. You know how you could have a, the dual tape recorders. You could play like I right, we had the the, the thirty three or the forty five. You could play the beat. So I'm playing Houdini, um, and then and then had like the five minutes of funk beat because it was like an instrumental. Mm-hmm. So I'm running instrumental. Then I got one, 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 my little thing where you could press record and play. You could replay, you know, you could record the music. Right. So I would just record, you know what I'm saying, myself rapping on top of the joint. 
and then I let my dad and my mom hear it, and they was like, you know, they, you hear him on here dissing his, his cousins, he's cursing and everything. Uh-huh. But they didn't get mad at me for cursing on the record. They were like, you know, I'm not cursing when I'm talking to them. They just, they just was like, they, they understand that the music was a form of expression. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it was like at that point when my mom, she was, get, if I would have cursed in the house, I would have got a whooping. But if I curse, this is, I mean, I mean, I'm in the fourth grade. But if I curse on this record, doing this, she didn't, she understood the artistry of it. Okay. And that right there was like, okay, man, I, I started to see how people can see you, you could be one way right there, and then you can get on record and just like let it all out. So she saw it as an event. But I started making music seriously, like, like you know, all through high school, the whole, like, you know, going, trying to find studios and all that. But it was in 1998, my little brothers had a group uh, called Lost Innocence, and um, and I believed in them. And um, I had a corporate gig working for um, Harris Casino. It was a corporate office in Memphis. And I was just managing people, managing the car center. And I was doing pretty good. So I was like, all right, you know, let's just try to go ahead and put some money into this and, like, get it going. I knew Bobby O.J., who was over at K ninety seven? Okay, he's a he's a radio guru down there, and he just used to come to my store and shop all the time. So I was like, you know, if I ever got a record, you know, bring it down to tune. So I got my brothers, signed them, uh, put out their music, and then I brought it to them, and he put it on the radio for me. And it was like, bam, I, I had some local buzz going. And then, um, but I, I would rap on their stuff, but I really wanted to be respected as a CEO. I really wanted people to, because I, you know, Tony Draper, I saw yeah. them do them dudes like they was. I, I respected Ball and JG lyrically, and they, and they was dope. But it's like I respected T Draper because he had the cars and the money, and all that. <laughs> and they were like, you know what I'm saying? They I'm had like, the fame, but he, he had, had the real bread. He had the bag, you know right? What I'm he had the, the jazz with the with the Bravis rims and the, and the TVs in it. So I'm like, yeah, let me let me try to get it like that. So I started making music in 1998. I started my first label, Diamond Cut Entertainment, um, with, with through, distributed through Selecto Hits, and we just put out music. We really weren't making no money, but I was putting out music up until like. 2000 into that situation. Then I met Dino Del Valle. You know okay. what I mean? And Dino came down to Memphis to sign this dude named Player Fly. Player Fly also. Shout out to Player Fly. Gotta shout out Player yeah, Fly. Yeah, I'm sorry, Player Fly. We yeah, didn't mean we, no disrespect. Yeah, gotta gotta, talk gotta about shout Fly. out Player Fly. Because Fly definitely, like, you know, Flizz Eye, he, he definitely is a pioneer of Memphis music. Him and Blackout, who made his beats too. All right, so um, they come to sign Player Fly. My man said, You need to just come meet this dude named Kia Sham. So he brings him to my apartment. I meet him, and he just, we had a good vibe or whatever. He said, you ever come to New York, you know what I mean, just come by the office or whatever. So I had, you know, I'm, I'm a player. I'm from Memphis, so I always felt like, you know, I had a little female that worked at the uh, at the airport, you know what I'm saying? So I had her, and I was like, look, you know, the, let me get the buddy passes or whatever, you know what I mean? So she used to like, let me up with the buddy passes, so I got the buddy passes, flew to New York, and when I met with Dino, I wanted to play, once we met her, we, me and my brothers went to the studio, we made all new music. We're like, right, we're going to get to do the signers. But then when we get there, and I played the music for him. He was just like, you know, that 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 uh that side that's that silence, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, man, like this ain't this ain't it. So I'm just like something just told me I had a tape and it was like I was like and this is two thousand, so tapes were kinda out of out of fashion still. Right. But I said, Let me just play this tape. So I just put the tape in and I knew dude kinda felt me. I said, I'm gonna just spit a freestyle. But when I put the tape in and pressed play, Ed Lover the man said, Who did that beat? How much you want for that beat? Man, that changed my life. The man said, how much you want for the beat? I was like, well, well how much you give me for the beat? It was like, we, we for the first time, you know, we're buying beats or whatever, maybe like 5,000. Man, he told me that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, man, five bands uh-huh. for this? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, the, I didn't even spit up. The freestyle was out the, no, fuck it. Forget a, forget a freestyle. I'm right. like, let me, let me, he finna pay for this beat. So I'm like, cool, let me get you the files to the beat. I go to Memphis, you know what I mean, 
And I'm like, yo, you know what I mean? This dude gonna be five thousand for their beats. So I go tell the producer, I like, yo, let me get all your beats. All your beats. I'll get the beats free anyway. So right. Like, let me just give me all the beats, give me all the files. I'm finna go back. Man, I went back up there, man, with Dino again and sold that beat in like two more beats. So I'm like, I got 15 bands. Wow. So I'm like, okay, I changed my whole situation. Now, instead of Diamond Cut Entertainment, I was called Rap Hustlers because I was rap hustling. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, right. man. So it's like, and it's like, okay, that producer who I was, then I, then I asked Dino, I said, you got any other people that do what you do? You know what I'm saying? He was like, yeah, it's A&R's. So he brought me to this other cat at, at Rough Riders. And um, I met DNY. Okay. And then Dean, they, they ended up buying, doing a song deal and they bought some beats. So I had a 10 song deal with them when Rough Riders, this is 01, when Rough Riders was, you know what I mean, it was crazy. You know what right. I mean? So I took that and then um, I was like, okay, I got a song deal with Rough Riders. I'm selling these beats. So I just started, that was my whole hustle. Go back to Memphis and get all the producers and find producers and, and get their music. You know what I'm saying? So I started to do that, got their music. And um and then I went out to L.A. and met with this dude named Manny Edwards, and he was in L.A. It was my first trip out there, and I told him I got a production deal with Rough Riders, and I sold these beats to this artist this time Universal. He said, I'll give you a publishing deal. I didn't know what that was. But, he, you know, I right, well, how much is that? And he was like, you know, it's going to be about 100, 125,000. <laughs> Bro, now I'm still working. You know, I'm still working and on buddy passes this whole time. Right. I'm back and forth, and I'm like, you going to give me 120? Listen, man. It, 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 my life changed. It was like, I right, I see how I can get the money to be able to really funnel what I want to do. Well, long story short, the producers whose beats that I was selling was Drummer Boys, Chris Golson. Oh, wow. Chris was in high school. He was 17 years old. I just knew him. I heard his beats, and I was like, yo, this nigga beats is crazy. Uh-huh. So I took I was just took his beats, and I would be selling his beats. And um, and he was like, yeah, I think this dude was 17 years old, just graduating. Uh-huh. I'm coming back home. We spend the money half and half. Right, you know what I'm saying I'm like you, you 17 and, and you coming. I'm bringing back to New York, bringing you back 7500. Right, you know what I'm saying like you like okay, bro, let's rock. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so that's pretty much how I I got into like the the making money with music. And then when I got that first check, I went in. I said, all right, so let me go ahead and sign all the producers to song deals because I had Rough Rider signed me song deals. So let me sign all my producers for song deals. Did that, and then I signed uh, Yo Gotti because he was buzzing in North Memphis. He just put out his first mixtapes, but he wasn't like on the radio or nothing. So I was like, all right, you get him, Skinny Pimp. You remember Skinny mm-hmm. Pimp? Yeah, so yeah. Skinny, so Skinny Pimp, I signed Skinny Pimp. I signed Gangsta Black. I signed um, Yo Gotti, and I just you know took that publishing money, signed those dudes, and I started putting out music with them under my new label, Rap Hustlers. Right. When I did that, that's when I that's when I hit the streets hard because those dudes had street following in Memphis already. With Diamond Cut, it was more lyrical. We was more like just trying to get my my brothers on. Mm-hmm. But I was able to reinvent and like you know now I kind of came with my P Diddy move. You know what I'm saying? I was kinda <laughs> like, I'm like Diddy through the city. You know what I'm right. saying? So it was like and I'm and I'm bringing checks in for the producers and my buzz is up and nigga people is talking like he bringing the money in and and I started making records with Gotti and all those people and putting out albums on them and I got me a distribution deal with TVT. Cause I was able to, I went and got a tour bus. I wrapped it. I put all my artist face on it. We weren't going on tour nowhere. We just wrapped. <laughs> <laughs> we just wrapped the tour bus. Right. We just rolled. We just we in the hood. We in a trap <laughs> with the, with the tour bus. But we running up by making people know about us. We promote. We going. Greg. I came down to Greg Street. You know what right. I'm saying. Pull up on Greg Street or whatever. Like you know what up, man. We out. You know what I mean. It's just like we made an impact. And by making an impact, I was able to break Gotti. That first album I did on your Gotti life. We did 122,000 um, single, I mean, pro- I mean, 122,000 units. Wow! On that, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, Skinny Pip, I did like 75,000. Um, I, I would go to like Skinny Pip. I would do Selecto hit still. I pressed up 
30,000 records. I took them to Selecto Hits. Selecto Hits gave me $6 a record up front. Up front. You know what I mean? So I like saw my 180. You know what I'm saying? I like I'm I'm this this is I'm a year off of working a job. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I'm like, and I'm like, man, I just made 125 over here. I'm selling beats over here. I I just sold this and I sold this skinny pimp album to Selecto Hits and it made me 180 real quick. Then I went signed with TVT and put out a real Gotti album and and, and and pushed like 120,000 records. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Through them. So it's like life was good. You know what I mean? To this point, life was. Like, how long? How long did you have Yo Gotti signed for? I haven't. I had. It, I signed him in 2002. We were supposed to do two albums. We ended up doing um, two mixtapes, a DVD, and we did one national album. Okay. And then um, after that, this is when the bottom fell out. This is this. I, I hope the people listening can understand this part of it because it's like sometimes you can grow too fast. Okay. Sometimes you can like you could you could you could things could be happening for you and you just make. I should have kept going through selecto hits and and flipping my money. But I wanted to get with TVT because they had Yin Yang Twins and, and Lil Jon was popping nationally, and I wanted to get national fast. Man, TVT didn't pay me for one of those records. I none. Sold, none. I re-released a Skinny Pimp record, and I put out Yo Gotti record. I sold two hundred thousand records through through Select I mean, through uh, TVT, and they didn't pay for one record. They um that we we were in court. You know what I'm saying? I had to sue these people because I had a straight distribution deal. I didn't have a, a, an advance deal, mm-hmm. and but what they did, and this is how me and Gotti fell out, instead of Gotti letting us go through the litigation and get the money from these people, he ended up signing directly with these people. Oh. You know what I'm saying? He he wouldn't got a check from them. I'm like, bro, they paying you with our money. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, so they stole the artist. Um, my partner at the time or whatever, like, he got caught up in some street stuff too. So it was like, I, it, it was... It was a hard time. He's like, like the money I had been making, my man's was like, you know what I mean, was going to go flip it, you know what I'm saying, to try to like, you know what I mean. Okay, to, street flip it. Yeah, street flip it. Lost, you know what I mean, and then TVT didn't pay us. But see, TVT didn't pay us as soon as they found out that we got, that my man got caught up in, in Memphis. It was like a big thing. We had like a couple, couple two, three hundred pounds, all that or whatever. You know, it was all, you know what I mean, it was, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. So instead of them paying us, they stole Gotti from us. You know what I mean, and and then it's like, and, and I wasn't, you know, this is my man, so it's like, you know, if he would have won, it would have worked. But if, you know what I'm saying, but but it's my man, Jack Frost. Shout out to him. And but when it happened, he, you know, he, he took the rap and you know what I mean, he did the thing or whatever and laid down. And it's like, um, and um, you know, and it's like, man, but I, but they got the artist, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, and I couldn't fight because I really didn't have no money to oh, really yeah. fight with, you know what I mean? So it was like, it was it was a tough tough time. I lost my house, I lost the tour bus, I lost everything that I had. Wow. You know, this is in 2000. And, Three, 2000, going to 2004. But the smartest thing I did, though, bro, inside the Yo Gotti CD, I put a DVD. It was a DVD, a 30-minute DVD on Gotti and a 30-minute DVD on Kenfo. Man, God would have people call me because I had my number on the DVD, and they would call me, yo, my love, what you did with Yo Gotti, man? Come down to Texas and do some records with me. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And I would just be, it would be me and my wife and my little brothers because my little brothers who I signed, they started just doing beats because when I started selling beats, they were like, shit, what the money <laughs> They started doing beats. So it's like, so they, we would just go around and, and just be doing dudes' whole albums, you know what I'm saying? Like uh-huh. selling beats, just trying to get back on our feet, putting out mixtapes, selling mixtapes hand-in-hand with my wife, doing all that to get back on our feet. You know what I mean? And that's pretty much like how we got back on our feet. And then and then after that is when I said, you know what? I, I to get what I never had, I gotta do what I never done. I gotta put out a, a, I gotta put out my own single. Because I was on all these records that I sold. Okay. You know what I mean? I, I was featured on like on the Yogati album. I was on like four of the songs. You know what I mean? So I had a buzz of people who knew me and knew my verses and knew my songs. 
that I had with other people. I just hadn't put out my own solo Kia Shine thing. Okay. So it was like, all right, it's time to put out my own thing. So when the real estate market started doing those subprime loans, I thought it was, people say it was a bad deal, but it was like you could get you a whole crib with a 600 Beacon score. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and my credit was like 600, so like I just went to start getting cribs. You know what I'm saying? So I was getting cribs and, and flipping the cribs, getting the money out the cribs, and I put the money into my music. I had a song called Respect My Fresh. I broke it, and that song started to get like 200 spins of radio a week, and, and that's how I got signed with with Sylvia, and, and that's how the whole Crispy Wave and all that okay. like came. You know what I'm saying? Like 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 at that point, the record started to work, and I started dropping songs as a solo artist, and all my solo songs was just working. I had a record called Stunner Frames. Felly Fell started playing it out, out in L.A. Yeah. I didn't even know who Felly was. You <laughs> know he's playing my record. I had never even brought the dude the record. A friend of uh-huh. mine gave it to him. So it was like those kind of things started happening, and I started to get, to, to get back on my feet, you know what I'm saying? And, and I was able to sign with Universal Motown and do, do my deal with Sylvia and put out my first release, you know what I'm saying, through mm-hmm. a major. So, you know what I mean? That's it, that's pretty much the, the, the long and short of it, you know what I'm saying, as far as like, you know, you, you go through seasons, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And then I got the deal. I'm like, all right, well, I got a deal now. So now things are going to be better. But at the same time, it's like when you get a deal, I took the, really the money. I had I forced my album out, you know what I'm saying? Because I knew all the, 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 the cheat codes, you know what I'm saying? I knew how to like, <laughs> look, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to get it signed and I'm going to come out, you know what I'm saying? So And I was able to just keep putting my money towards my music, you know what I mean, and, and, and bubbling up. So I, I made them drop my budget and I made them – do those things or whatever, and I was able to come out pretty cool because I like when I got signed, I got I, all the production b- budget. You know, it was mine. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And you know, so was, I had a discretionary marketing fund. So I, I I set the deal up the best way I could to try to succeed. But um, you know, but but with Universal, that system is just like it's like they gonna throw it up, see if it works. And if it don't, if it don't do enough, do well for them, they're not gonna build an artist. They're gonna just chase a record. Right. So after that or whatever, I, I feel like I had my plug. So I was like, all right, well, let me just get off Universal and just keep putting out music and just keep feeding my bass, you know what I'm saying? I'd already was had hosted Rap City for, for a brief stint. My my had had a hit single out, so it was like, let me just keep just funneling music or whatever and stuff. So I just kept doing that, you know what I'm so saying? So tell me about this young lady that's sitting with us right now. Tomboy. Tomboy, all right, so this is this this is what I want to say. Okay, so I if you know, if you know Mike, we just talk about with Yo Gotti and and also too, even with Drake writing his first record, best I ever had. That was, right. I'm, I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. But okay. This, but this girl right here, like before I was an artist, as a, if you listen to the story, I always like gotta use me to like help people that are like on their way. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like when Drummer Boy was, you know, I, I I saw it. I would be right next to people and just see like they're next. You know what I'm saying? So what got what did you have me to do for them? I was, just came into the barbershop one day. Shout out to my man Trail. Shout out to Twenty Four Hour Barbershop Mogul Cuts. Um, she came in there. I saw her one day, and she had she, she just had a wave. You know what I'm saying? I could, you know you could you could see a star, man. You could just you could see it. You know what I mean? And I and I saw it, and um and I was like, you know what, Tom? You know we 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 need to link up, and we we kind of linked up. But I will let you tell the story though, Tom boy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you talk about it though. Well, we linked up at Twenty Four Hours, and um, I don't know. I always seen him. He got cut by a different barber from me. And he was, you know, a unique fella himself, and he looked different. And I was like, no, something cool about him. I wasn't quite sure who he was, though, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I'm talking to my barber about him. He's like, you don't know who that is? That's Kia Sean. And he tells me, you know, all about him and his background and stuff. And I'm like, oh. And I thought about it, and I remember the song, So Crispy, because, you know, I thought I was so crispy. <laughs> <laughs> Did we all, right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, I liked his hair, and I was new in Atlanta, and I didn't know anybody. Where you from? Hair. I'm from Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. But I came from Charlotte. I was in Charlotte for eight years. Okay. Before I moved here. 
And so I seen him over there and walked over up, walked over to him and um, asked him about his hair. And then we just kind of linked up from there. And it was really just something I really seen in him, though. I asked him about his hair, but it was more to it than the hair. Okay. And so he gave me, like, three numbers. And I was like, why is he giving me three <laughs> numbers? I just asked you about, your, about my hair. And, um, and so we just linked up from there. I seen him again, and we linked up, and it just – We've been, we've been rocking ever since. Like, you know what I mean? We've just been rocking. She creatively, she just got a, a wave. And it was like, it's funny because Young and May, you know what I mean, just dropped, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. that wave. And before Young and May even was like buzzing, I was like looking at the music scene. I'm like, man, I'm in Atlanta. Why are there no like lesbian artists, you know what right. I'm saying? Like in Atlanta, like on the forefront. I, I don't see the, not a one. You know what I mean? But but if you go out to the clubs, you see them everywhere you go. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, hip-hop, you generates life, imitates life. Because I guarantee you, you looking for a, a fat boy with a big beard like Rick Ross, you go right down the street, you can see five of them. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, a thousand they, of them. A thousand. They all, the hip-hop, anybody who's in hip-hop, they they kind of they kind of like a mirror what's going on in the street. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't it wasn't a t any tomboys, like, you know what I'm saying? They right. were like out. So I'm like, look, we got to start, we got to start working. And we just start... We started working. We just started working together, man. Like, and you know, we just, we just started smashing. Plus, you know, she had a, she's a cook. You know, what I'm saying she can, she can, she's a real chef. You know, what mm -hmm. what I'm saying? so we were like, you know, what I mean, we would cook these edibles. You know, what I'm saying like these incredible <laughs> edibles. You know, what I mean, and like, you know, we would boom them. You know, what I'm saying like, like <laughs> in the markets where cannabis is legal, <laughs> first of all. Um, but like, we would like, we would do that, and um, and we just, we just started linking up, man. So I, I started, you know, I throw shows too. I threw a show with um, uh, with Future right when Time to Be Alive was was right the same week. Mm -hmm. I had them booked for Little Rock, and I was like, look, man, we had, we had this song. Our first song we did was called Trap Out the Uber. And it was before Uber Everywhere. It was before that Trap joint. Out the Uber. You know what I'm saying? So we dropped the Trap Out the Uber joint and um and um we just went down to Little Rock and we uh performed with Future and um and Future just was like all over. Like Future when he met her, he was just like, Man, yo, you know what I mean? He was just he was into it or whatever, love. So we just we just been working. We put out a project together, you know what I'm saying, called Tomboy Kim Folk. It's available like everywhere right now. You know what I mean? You you, you can look for it. It's everywhere on our site too, tomboykinfolk.com. You know what I'm saying? It's it's, it's dope though, man. It's, it's 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 some real real different music. We felt like there was never been a female, male like duo that was one was lesbian, one was heterosexual, and right. what kind of, what kind of music could we make like together? Because you know I'm a lesbian too. I like women. <laughs> me too. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. It's all of us in here. Tell me about. Uh, this Drake situation. Um, all right, so the Drake situation was one of the situations where I had to be like, you know, I'm gonna use this tag right here on this one. This, this. Come on, son. I'm gonna <laughs> use this. All right, so this right here. All right, so check it. So I produced a record for Lil Wayne called "Do It for the Boy." Um, me and Wayne got a great relationship back in '02 when I was had my when I was really buzzing by my, my by, with Yo Gotti had all that. Yeah, I, I had a record with me him and Yo Gotti called "Do What You Do," uh -huh. and I uh, Skinny Pimp. So when like Wayne was my dude, so when Wayne was recording here at High Beats, I came through, brought some beats, and um, so he ended up uh, he ended up uh, doing one of the songs called "Do It for the Boy." I so DJ Absolute in New York was like, okay, um, the record you did for Lil Wayne, Jaheen wants to buy his A and R wants to get it for Jaheen. Mm -hmm. So is Wayne gonna buy the beat or not? I'm like, well, you know, Wayne put on the mixtape, but I don't know if he's gonna buy the beat. I'll, I'll follow up and see what's going on. But if we can, you know, they said send an invoice for Jaheen, we're gonna buy that beat. All right, cool, send the invoice. All right, so then Absolute called me. He's very upset. He's like, bro, I thought we was gonna we was gonna make money with, with the beat together with with with, with, uh, with Jaheen. I'm like, bro, he said, why you sell a beat to Drake? I'm like, man, who is Drake? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. he's like he's like, nah, he got the beat. 
I'm like, you who is Drake and how you get my beat? You know what I'm saying? So when I um listen, he, I said, send me the record. So he sent me the record. I said, bro, like that's like my beat, but it's, it's flipped. You know what I'm saying? But like, but thanks. And let me let me call my publisher and uh, I sent it to my publisher and uh, we sent it to a musicologist. The musicologist was like, yeah, this is like your record, and they flipped it and all that. So basically, um, the business was squared away immediately. Cause uh, my publishing was through Universal Universal uh, Music Publishing, so it's like they immediately got on top of the business and made sure I got my credit. But then by the time it, th- that happened, like nine, it was like nine months prior to the world knowing. Okay. So the whole time, the song best, best I ever had is blowing up. I'm sitting back, just you know, I ain't say nothing. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, my credit's already for me, right? I'm waiting on the publishing check, the mailbox money. I'm not tripping. I go to the BMI Awards in New York and go get my BMI award, and I tell they ask me what you win win the award for. I said for writing the best I ever had. Man, that it, it that went viral. Right. You know what I mean? Next thing you know, it's like Twitter. It was the first time I was a trending topic on Twitter. Like, everything was like, Kia Shine wrote. I'm like, okay. And then Drake come out and say that I'm lying. And I'm like, come on, son. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm like, nah, like, nah, not like, I just won an award. How am I lying when I'm sitting here winning an award for the record? You know what right. I'm saying? So, um. So it was like one of those things where he's the fresh new artist. He didn't understand that he had he had sampled the record from Wayne. You know, we could do it real big, bigger than we ever done. Not be up on anything. The other niggas never on us. Just just do it for the boy. See, I wrote that for the hook for Wayne. Right. I put the hook in the beat, gave it to Wayne. Wayne re-raps it, and then Drake takes it and makes Baby, make, you're my everything. everything. You are like, he yeah. makes the whole joint. <clears throat> so he didn't understand that that's what he did. And it's like, that's one of the times where I was like, you know what? It's like I want to be liked, and I know Drake is a great artist, but it's like my kids, like they have to eat. You know what I'm saying? And it's like I, it's already the business was already done. It wasn't like I was coming out saying this is my record. Wait, I, I didn't try to. You, this is your record. You dope. You can write. You can do your thing. I'm not trying to take the whole ghostwriter thing from you. All I'm saying is that record was my record. It came from me. A part of it did. So that's why I was awarded 25 percent of that song. And I wish he would have came back out and said, you know what? I said he was lying. But nah, I was wrong. You know what I mean? But right. but but dudes don't do that. Dudes is like, you know what I mean? Okay, you know what I mean? Move, uh, switch switch subjects. You know what I'm saying? Don't even talk about it no more. So, but yeah, that's that's my record, and um and I got the gold plaque for it. it went gold on the, on the album so far gone. It went gold, and then the single went three times platinum. You know what I'm saying? Well, so there you go. So yeah, I I, I got you know I, I definitely definitely I'm thankful. You know what I'm saying that I'm able to still eat with that with that every quarter. So that's how the best I ever had thing happened. You know we're gonna take a, sl- a slight pause right here, and then we got more with my man Ken Folk, Kia Shine coming up at Tomboy right here on the Come On Side Podcast. Give up. Yeah, man. See, come on, some podcast back again with my man yeah. Ken Folk, Kia Shine, Time Boy in the building. Indeed, indeed, indeed. My man. So, uh, uh, how far are the? When we left off, we were talking a little bit uh, about a lot of stuff, but we were talking about uh, Time Boy in yeah. particular. Time Boy, how far into your project are you guys right now? Well, actually, uh, we have two projects. Actually, in a group with him as well. Okay. So- We've been uh So you got two that. projects. You got your own project and then it's Kenfolk Tomboy? Yeah, Tomboy, Tomboy Kenfolk. Kenfolk. Tomboy yep. Kenfolk. That's yep. a yep. different project altogether. Yep. That's out now. Like that's that's well the mixtape is out right now. Okay. And the single, New Wave, New Day New Wave, the video and single is out right now everywhere, all music formats and the video is in rotation right now on B E T Jams. Okay. 
And you still rap hustlers? Oh, you're still rap hustlers forever. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. You know what I'm that's it. But still running into to, to new producers. Yeah. New... Yeah. I was in the hallway right now with the little Uzi Verse little producer in there. Whatever. Okay. So I'm trying to holler at them now. Like, okay, what's going on? Right. You know what I mean? But, you know, but uh, but we're working on her solo. She has a solo project coming. Uh, Tomboy. Tell solo. me about your solo projects, Tomboy. Uh, it's going to be androgynous because it's kind of like, you know, I'm a little bit of everything. Like meaning side. what? Uh, uh, elaborate a little bit. Uh, I just feel like, you know, I'm uniquely different as far as, like, I have a lot of, like, male ways and a whole lot of feminine ways. Mm-hmm. So kind of meeting in between is androgynous, and I'm coming out with a tape. Just right. Androgynous. Yeah. yeah. Indeed. Are you are you excited about it? I'm very excited. What can we expect from, from this uh like li- lyrically, where are you at? Where's your brain at right now? What do you want? Real female pimpish. Like, okay. So, <laughs> so. What do you want people to get from this project? Uh, just trying to touch more people on my own. You know, uh-huh. so my own kind, my lane, and stuff like that. Right. Um. So, and also still the straight at the same time. Okay. Were you already working on stuff before you met uh, Kia? Nope. Not, not at all. Not taking it serious at all, though. No. Oh, but you were rapping already. I was doing a little song, but n- not really. Well, what made you? What made it change? That you got serious? Uh, just confirmations throughout life. Just uh, always running into people. They always thinking I'm an artist. I'm signed with somebody or <laughs> somebody. And right. So I finally well, we ran all into the right person. Don't forget that. Okay. Always. I ran into the right person to actually put the situation together, create, right. and actually do it. So. What is your? What, what do you guys' creative process like? Uh, Sean, we were just talking. We were just talking about that. Um, it's funny because I think it's more like you know art imitates life. So it's like, okay, it may be a conversation. It may be a mere word you may say. It may be some situation that we go through. It may be something you know because the thing about it, our stories are not the only one we trying to tell. We're really trying to you know touch other people. Right. So it's like okay, so if there's something a trend or a wave that is starting, or we can either start or we can confirm. Then I think that's what hip hop does. Hip hop lets you know what's cool, what to wear, what the slang is. You know what I'm saying? So I think like for us, like we just trying to like kind of come with the newest, come thing. with the newest thing. Like you know what I mean? Because in today's society, it's more like, oh, if he's coming like that, he's got blue hair. I'm gonna have red hair. But I'm from the era of hip hop where it's like if you got doing a different color hair thing, and that's what you doing over there. That ain't what I'm doing over that's here. That's not what I'm doing over here. Right. So we we our creative process we strive to be different. You know what I'm saying? Because we are different. There are no male and female lesbian and heterosexual uh, groups together. So we're different in the sense of that. But like from the dress, the style, all that, we just want to be. We just want to be self-expressed to be different, you know what I'm saying, and show. Because today, society is different. Little girls are going to school right now, and they, they look like her, you know what I'm saying? Right. So they need someone, they need their public figure to be able to say, hey, it's okay to be how I am. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, And I want to be able to open the gateway for that, you know what I'm saying, so that you can be who you are. Because I'd rather be hated for me being me than be loved for what I'm not. So we want the p- people to be able to be who they are. So creatively, we just want to make sure we express whatever's true to us, you know what I'm saying? You know, so I think that's pretty much what it is. And then we get the, we just get the vibing and we just get out and then the feedback from the people and the energy. And then we like, all right, let's go recreate. Let's go make something. Like, I might go to Follies, right? And go in Follies and have a good time. And we, you know, sit, play with some women for a minute. <laughs> and then we, then we, we might be the vibe in the club. I don't then, know, nobody invited me to Follies. <laughs> I like Follies. Well, I'm glad you said that because we will be there back on Sunday. Okay. <laughs> so so we, we always stay in, we stay in the strip clubs. We stay in the clubs because, you know, we, we, the thing about, okay, I'm going to do, do, this, do this one for you. All right, everybody loves their phone. They're connected to their phone. 
So when you on your phone, you can pretty much listen to what you want to. Go to who, this this dope podcast. Come on, some podcast. You can go check out Coffee with Kim Folk. You can go do whatever you want to go do. You can go do it from your phone. When you're in the club, all that phone is off. Right. You, if you, you, that you can be looking at it, but you're gonna be hearing. You're not gonna be programmed. I mean, right. you, you you you're not programmed now. Right. But then you you're gonna be programmed when you go in that club. So to me, it's like that's the time where you know that live experience, the live scenario with people. We're not just online. We're in the club. You got to feel the energy. You got to feel the vibe of what's going on right now. And then if you got that, you could kind of, kind of put that into a box and then take that to your studio and kind of give that back to them. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I, 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 we, 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 we encourage if you making music, please get outside of the internet. Get into atmosphere with people. I even tell my sons, yo, don't be so socially um, active, but then you can't be. You know, active when you're in the public. You can't right. look a man in his eye and talk to him. You can't touch the people. So it's we, so social that we're not social. That we're not social. So like, get out, feel the energy. We love to get out and feel the energy and see what's going on. Because you know, like I said, as artists, you just you've been blessed to be able to paint a picture. But you know, you're speaking for other people. So it's like, yes, you want to tell your story, but you you're still speaking for other people. So it's like you want to make sure that your art is imitating the life that's going on. So yeah. you got to feel the life. So we go outside and we feel life. Good, bro. I appreciate you, brother. Now, listen, I got to say this before I leave. People, I when I go online, I always see negative stuff, and I know the negative stuff gets the most views. All the negative fights, the, all this stuff or whatever, you know, we all want to see that. But I tell people, please encourage y'all for one minute out of the day, when you start today, go check out something positive that can be able to speak life into you. And that thing is my blog. It's called Coffee with Kinfolk. It's Kinfolk with an I, coffeewithkinfolk.com. It's just something that it's inspiration for your situation and it's motivation for those who are looking for that that good inspiration, man. So please check out the site, subscribe to it, because there's definitely some really cool things um, going on with, with the Coffee with Kenfolk. Coffee with Kenfolk.com. We yeah. will make sure that we do that. Indeed. We man. appreciate you, homie. Man, we appreciate y'all, man. Come on, Tom son. Boy, nice to meet you. Appreciate you. And you know me and you going to collab all together yeah, we and work yo, with Wifey, we, we baby. We're going to work with, what, first of all, Wifey. <laughs> I got something very, 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 and wifey is artist. I have something very, very special after listening to her that I'm going to introduce her on. You know what I'm saying? I think she's going to really be dope. So I got an idea. You know, I got some things that I got in, in, in the studio. So when I get back from this dub show we about to go do in Memphis, um, we gonna get in the studio and we gonna we gonna put some stuff down. There I like the energy, you know what I'm saying? So we yeah. gonna work. You know Young Foxy in the building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she can hear though. You know. What yeah. <laughs> Come on, Seth. It's the podcast. All right. Ed Lover, yeah, we appreciate y'all. Peace out. Kimfo, Kimfo. This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out cigarsinternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced and engineered by co-executive producers Kimana Paulus and Krista Hayes. Recorded at Mean Street Studios in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast.